Hello, and welcome to What is Innovation? The podcast that explores the reality of a word that is in danger of losing its meaning altogether. This podcast is produced by Outlast Consulting, LLC, a boutique consultancy that helps companies use innovation principles to solve their toughest business problems. I'm your host, Jared Simmons, and I'm so excited to have Nathan Stuck. Nathan Stuck is the creator of Be Local Georgia, a Georgia-based nonprofit that focuses on helping companies get B Corp certified and use their business as a force for good. Nathan is an award-winning leader in the B Corp community. In addition to his role as Director of Corporate Culture and Strategic Impact at Ad Victorium Solution, a certified B Corp, he founded and runs Be Local Georgia, a nonprofit dedicated to growing the number of purpose-driven businesses in the Peach State. Nathan also teaches an experiential MBA course on B Corps at the University of Georgia and is the founder of Profitable Purpose Consulting, which helps for-profit businesses certify as B Corps. He has appeared on multiple podcasts and spoken at events across Georgia and the Southeast. His unique background provides both an authentic and genuine story that resonates with audiences and inspires them and their businesses to be a force for good. Nathan, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I'm so glad we got connected on LinkedIn, and I'm just looking forward to chatting with you and learning more about what you do and how innovation relates to it. Yeah, absolutely, Jared. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, just having lunch with somebody, and we were talking about the power of LinkedIn, and here we are. Here we are. So why don't we dive right in? What, in your mind, is innovation? You know, the, the space I live in, I'd say a lot of it is more probably social innovation focused, but to me, obviously the textbook definition is, you know, whatever the introduction of something new or, you know, an improvement. I'll say social innovation is creating or developing something positive for society. Mm. And I honestly heard it summed up really well. We had a panel with Be Local Georgia mm -hmm. and Winona Satcher. I don't know if you know Winona. She, she's yet. amazing. Mm. And I, she was on our panel and she said that it's driving societal change and getting paid to do it. And I just love that. So I love that she <laughs> threw in the getting paid to do it. Right. A lot of us, especially in the social innovation side, we struggle with that, that whole getting paid piece because mm. we want to, we want to change the world and we want to make every improvement and we'll just do it for free because it needs to be done. Right. That's the one thing we all need to get better at is driving that social innovation, that, that positive innovation and making sure that we're getting paid for our time. Right. Right. I can imagine in a perfect world and that, you know, kind of utopian place we're all shooting for every innovation is social innovation. In a perfect world, technology, you know, would be developed from the beginning with a mindset toward the greater good. It's crazy, though, because it's like the conversations I have now. I mean, granted, I live in the B Corp space, so there's a slight echo chamber, but I, you know, I weave in and out and, yeah. and I teach a class in Terry College Business. Not everybody's, a, you know, on the B Corp train yet. Right. But even meeting, there's a, an engineering professor at the University of Georgia. He's the associate dean of engineering, and he's talking about how he wants help finding a B Corp related project where they can work on the engineering of the design from a stakeholder perspective. Mm -hmm. And even as you see B Corps, like when I go out and I talk to younger companies and a lot of, you know, a year, two years old, you know, you've got your proof of concept, you got a little revenue coming in, you're selling some stuff. Sure. I tell them the story of Advic, who I work for. And like, we started the B Corp process with eight employees. Like we laid a foundation, mm -hmm. you know, and then as you grow, you've got the handbooks, you've got policies. All of a sudden, somebody's you know wife is pregnant, and you've got a parental leave policy. And you can tell them what it is, and so as you're scaling, it made it so much less choppy because we knew what we wanted to be, and it kind of boxed us in a little bit. 
boxed in might be a negative term. I've heard our CEO call it guardrails for corporate decision-making. Guardrails, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to veer a little bit, but as far as what your mission is and what you want to be as a company, I think you're seeing more and more companies kind of do that. And it keeps them true to who they are. And you're just seeing a lot of, you're just seeing a lot of social entrepreneurism, you know, and you're seeing accelerators around it. You're seeing venture capital start to trickle down to it. Mm-hmm. It's the canary in the coal mine. Like there's something there. Right. And people that think this is all a fad, Milton Friedman's been dead for 30 years. Like, let's let it go. Let it go. Right. Shareholder primacy is dead. Yeah. If you think otherwise, then good luck. But this Gen Z millennials, like we're, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. This is the future. Let's take a half step back and kind of help people understand the future you're describing. So tell people about B Corps. What is a B Corp? Let's just start from square one. Ooh, good thing I gave a talk about this on Saturday and tabled, and I did this about 300 times. Uh, (laughs) We are in peak mode right now. We are ready to go. B Corps are the gold standard of corporate social responsibility. So much like lead is to a building or certified organic is to a milk, which by the way, the certified organic bubble got popped the other day for me. I realize that's kind of just a really cool marketing gimmick, <laughs> but um, it's, it's like finding the, the wizard behind the curtain. Yes. It's yeah. like uh, when you buy something, that says all natural and it's a food product. Well, I would hope there's nothing synthetic in there. Um, right. I'm eating it, right. but like those certifications are to products or services or buildings Energy Star to an appliance, B Corp is to the entire company. Mm. So you're going through an assessment and you're being scored on your corporate governance and transparency and your board of directors, if you have one, and all those different pieces that go in. And again, I'm going to say this because I'm going to describe a lot of things in the assessment. You don't have to do all of them. Mm-hmm. You have to get to 80 points on this assessment. And then once you look at your governance, the next section is on workers. So if you have employees, you're looking through benefits, you're looking through pay multiplier top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at, do they get volunteer time off? What kind of play retirement plans, things like that. There's a community section, which is all about community impact, volunteer time, pro bono services. And then also uh, all DEI is also in the community section. So what are you doing in the community with regards to Diversity, not only at your own company, but I would call it the where I wish more companies would focus their DEI strategies on the long-term upstream solution for their ecosystem. Mm. I think a lot of people are so worried right now about like people seeing their annual impact report and going like, "Mm -hmm." Mm. but you know, there's a lot of industries that still just need diversity in the industry. And until that happens, every company in that industry is going to struggle with diversity. So it's a unique lens to look at it through when you go through the assessment, the DEI component. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that. Tom blue in the face because I work for an IT consulting firm. So, and I work in sustainability. Both those industries are lacking. Mm-hmm. The other section of the assessment is environment. So, what is your carbon footprint? Right. How many tons of CO two? You know, what is, what are you doing? Did you offset it? Do you have goals to decrease it? You know, what are your power bills? Like, what are you tracking? You know, it's it forces you to go through a lot of things like that and go like, I don't know. We just pay the power bill every month. You know, that's <laughs> right. what most companies do. It's like, yep. what's our water bill? Oh, we just pay it. And like, and then you think like, oh, well, you know, we put in low flow faucets or, you know, we put in the little motion sensors so the water cuts off, mm. um, things like that, that you can do. So, but once you start quantifying it, once you measure it, you can improve it. Yep. So far we've got governance, workers, community, environment, and then the last section is customer. What are you doing with customer data? Are you telling them what you're doing with customer data? Mm-hmm. What's your website look like? Is it GDPR compliant? Like all these different things in the new day and age. Do you have a customer success department? Do you have guarantees on your products? You know, what do you do if something doesn't work? 
mm-hmm. all those things that go into it. And once you get through that, once you get to 80, you can hit submit on the assessment. It's not easy. We've talked about this before we came on air. Yeah. Like it's well, not is, the easiest thing. It is not. That's why there's a whole cottage industry right now, of B Corp consultants. And I do consulting. I also work with universities in the state to set up classes where we teach B Corps and have them work on projects Yeah, because it's complex. And once you get to that 80, however you do it, if you do it on your own, if you do it with a consultant, if you do it with students, you hit 80, you submit, you go into a verification queue. So you're waiting for B-Lab to get to you because demand's so high right now. That's been taking a really long time. Yes. And then, and yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> it's allegedly it's coming down finally. That's so good. That's, that's, good. that's exciting news. Yeah. Well, they had 4,000 B Corps at the end of 2020, I want to say. Mm. That's not right. Somewhere, there was somewhere like 4,000 in the middle of 2021. Mm-hmm. And in 2021, they had 4,000 applications. Wow. Yeah, they got a little slammed. Yeah. And they take you through an audit. You've been through the audit. And basically, they go through your assessment and your answers and go like, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. Talk to me about this. Why did you answer it that way? <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like more intimidating than the than IRS audit. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you come out of the other side of that, if you're still above 80, you pay the dues that aren't that ridiculous, no, to be honest. No, very reasonable. And, and it's a sliding scale. Yes. And yeah. I tell people, I'm like, you don't hit 2000 until you get to 3 million in revenue. So yeah, yeah, they're trying to get more and more of the bigger companies, but also the medium-sized businesses. They're mm. trying to get that $30 million, 150 employee company in the doors. So yeah. So once you do all that, you're certified as a B Corp. Easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think, I mean, that was a, a wonderful explanation. It's very hard to communicate that as succinctly as you did, because if someone had asked me that question, we'd still be waiting for me to get to a coherent <laughs> answer. I have to fight myself going down, I start going down rabbit holes about like my yeah. personal philosophies about like DEI done right and yeah. like and yeah. community impact. And I'm like, oh, wait, stop. No, you're still just describing the BIA, Nathan. Stop. Yeah, exactly. As you're going through it, There's something in there for everyone that's deeply passionate. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason you come to the B Corp, you know, whether it's the DEI or the environmental or the the customer piece, whatever, something in there is like at the core, the heart of what you're doing and why you do it. And I think it's really fascinating for me because for me, it was really about building a company that put employees first and that, you know, was built around DEI from the ground up and things like that. And the environment is important to me. It's just not the focus area of our business. And so what I thought was really helpful was, you know, people poking at the DEI stuff and poking at the, okay, what are you really doing for your employees down to the sort of this kind of benefit, that kind of benefit level, but was also really helpful. And I think, you know, speaks to innovation in the mindset of how this assessment is built was someone poking at the things that I thought were important, but not, you know, super important. And so it, what it did for me was say, okay, well, oh yeah, I can write a policy on this. This isn't a big hurdle. Like I can be better at this. We can be better at the environmental stuff without me having to have the same level of passion and depth and interest and focus on it as the DEI stuff. So it, it makes it easier to be good in areas where you're not inherently passionate, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Like for us, same thing. Like, I mean, not that I, I mean, I literally tabled at the Atlanta green market last weekend, but yeah, you know, for us being in this space, you know, it was, it was always worker first, you know, building a Mm -hmm. consulting company that was a little bit different. They're not living out of suitcases, very transparent, 
Yep. You know, so so kind of trying to build something different, but you look at like environmental and it's like, well, we don't have a supply chain. Mm-hmm. You're talking to me on our supply chain right now. It's a MacBook. So <laughs> who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we read at our office, we thought about it. And honestly, our CEO's wife is very green. Yeah. No stone was left unturned. Right. But from the assessment standpoint, you're like, eh, how much can we really do? And then the right. last time after we recertified, I kind of had still had the same approach. And then after we recertified, I was like, you know what? Let's try to figure out how we get to 90 next mm-hmm. time. You know, like we went down a little bit. We scaled tremendously. So I, I'm yeah. not upset that yeah. we, our point, our, our score went down. But he was like, how do we improve? And the first thing I looked at was like, let me dig into this environmental section. And I was mm-hmm. like, let me figure out like, what were our scopes one and two, like greenhouse gas emissions? What's scope three? Like, are we tracking travel? Mm-hmm. Are we tracking rental cars, hotel stays? And I'm like, there is a lot more we could do here. And again, it's not going to change the world, but if every company starts doing that, we're starting to, to change the narrative and it's a, it's a ripple. So yeah, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, there's not necessarily that we're going to be the most green company ever, but I think it's made us incredibly better and more green. Mm-hmm. And we found a carbon neutral partner. And now we tell everybody else about you know what we did and we tell the story and we, yeah. we introduce others to that nonprofit and hey, they can help you. They'll do their calculations for you. It's really easy. So, and it is. So you send them power bills and how many offices you have and square footage and home offices. And they send you basically an invoice with here's your footprint. Wow. That's great. I'll have to get that from you. You know, I imagine the other side of the coin is the same where, you know, organizations that were built around that environmental aspect of the B Corp, having to go through the employee focus piece and the DEI focus piece and all those things, it just prompts a thought that you're not avoiding the thought. You just, you just hadn't considered it. And a lot of times it's, you hadn't even measured it. Right. You know what I mean? It's that simple. It's that you like, it's not like we were like, Oh, we should only hire white men. Like, no, it, right. But then you do you you do your calculations and you're like, oh, well, that's kind of what we've done. Um, <laughs> you know, like like looking around, you're like, oh, 74% white guy, not good. Yeah. <laughs> but until you go through that, and yeah. and sometimes as I live in this world, and I've lived in it now for like six years and just like fully immersed myself in it. Mm-hmm. Some of it's so second nature now that I can't like I look back at whatever that was, 33-year-old me, and I'm like, come on, you dummy, this is pretty obvious, but you know, I think going through this so many times with so many companies, I started some of what I, to me is second nature is still very new and novel and bring it all back innovative to people new to the assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Back to your definition around doing something positive for society, this assessment, the impact assessment tells you whether you're doing something positive for society and to what degree, which allows you to start to measure and think differently. Like you said, it's, it's kind of bringing that measurement to the surface so that you can start to think about that positive societal impact in the same sort of realm that you think about business impact. And I think that the, the cool thing is it encourages action. Mm-hmm. It encourages you to take action and it lays out almost a playbook and not necessarily in how to take the action, but in what actions to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think the fact that there's a score associated, even for B Corps that have been around for a while, you're always trying to bump that score up. That gamification of it is kind of like a personal challenge, like how good of a company can we be? So yeah. you wind up like me with a spreadsheet called Advix Roadmap to 90, you know, <laughs> just like just going through and trying to see like, what else could we do? Like, what could we like tweak some benefits, increase some benefits? Like, what could we do? Mm-hmm. So that's been the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the sort of backbone elements of innovation and innovative companies that don't get talked about a lot. I mean, this impact assessment is currently and will in the future spark innovative 
thoughts, innovative approaches, innovative ideas just around how do we move these numbers and how do we show up differently in the context of this assessment. And I think there are, you mentioned lead, I think before and some other things, I think the primary value those things add from an innovation standpoint is it tells you, are you above the line or not? And if you want to be above the line, you're going to have to think differently. And that's where the innovation mindset gets switched on. Yep. hundred percent. So you've created this nonprofit. Tell me a bit about the role in the broader B Corp universe. Yeah. So early on, I just realized there wasn't a B local in Georgia mm -hmm. and there's B local. Portland kind of like came up with the whole B local concept of building a community for the B Corps. Right. So I went to Champions Retreat in New Orleans in 2018, right after we had certified. And there was the MC asked everybody like, okay, you know, like trying to get everybody's like hung over from the night before like, it's New Orleans <laughs> and you went out too hard. And, and like, all right, who here's from Louisiana? Like, yeah. and it's just like crickets, crickets. And it's like, she's like, so she starts moving these. All right, what about Mississippi? <laughs> Nothing. What about Alabama? I'm like, still just waiting. And so finally she gives up. She's like, how about just the South? Wow. And we're like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> and like, man, like that, if you look back on those moments and, and I think mm. every, every good entrepreneur or whatever, I mean, this is for a nonprofit, but still the same thing. Like every, same thing. You've got that that moment that just like sparked almost the chip on your shoulder, like that motivation, like I'll show you. Mm -hmm. Um, this will never happen to us again. Like I literally have a shirt before we came on <laughs> continuing this conversation. I got a shirt that says uh the South got something to say. Right. And just three stacks. Like I got that shirt because I'm like, no, that's that's how I feel. Like I want to show the world that like, no, the South, like because I just felt like everybody in that room like was judging us. Like everybody mm -hmm. in that room was like, Well, it's the South. Like, here we brought the conference to you. There you go. There's your little olive branch. Right. And I was like, nah, man, we're gonna grow this thing. So I started Be Local Georgia shortly thereafter. And we had like eight B Corps. Now we got 20. Nice. We had run one project out of UGA. Now we've run about 25. We have a formal class. So we have a B Corp class that I teach in the MBA program at the University of Georgia. Emory launched a class last fall that I helped them get off the ground. Wow. One of my board members is running two pilot projects at Kennesaw State right now. We're trying to see how we can't work with some accelerators to really boost their ability to go in and get 10, 12 at a time. Right. Trying to expand the academic footprint. Like, I think I might have a couple pilot projects for uh, the AUC. So getting into Spelman, Morehouse, Clark, like get in there. And then I see the potential too from like, just to, to make this proof of concept in Georgia, where not only then am I also helping diverse led, diverse owned companies, founders, certifies B Corps. I'm also now looking at the sustainability industry and going, I can bring these B Corp projects in and work with HBCU students. And then I'm also doing a service then in the sustainability industry to diversify that right. and look at upstream long-term solutions and give those students the same kind of what I call the playbook. You know, most of my students at UGA, they're not going to work at B Corps. Right. They're going to Home Depot, Delta. That's where they're headed. So if I can give them that toolkit to go to whatever job they go to and be a change agent, mm -hmm. again, not Patagonia. Right. So I look at that of like, if I can do that and then I can start expanding that. Honestly, you know, I met somebody from Savannah State last week. I met somebody from Mercer last week. And like, how do we get this going? And how do we all of a sudden wake up? I mean, we're going to be at 25, 26 B Corps in the next, I'd say probably by the end of May. I wouldn't be surprised if we have 30, let's just say 30 by the end of this year. But honestly, I'm, I'm we're running 10 out of UGA and Emory in the fall. Like, I would be shocked if by the end of 2023, we don't have well over 50. 
Oh man, that would be amazing. Yeah, the South's got something to say. Like yeah. that's all I got to say about it. Like that's that's like gonna be the Source Awards. Uh, you know, like we're yeah. we're we're gonna Love we're gonna it. do this, and I think it's just gonna be an incredible ecosystem that we're able to build, and we can get that level of scale. Is why I started Be Local Georgia, which not just the chip on my shoulder, but also that ability for like, I do have two business degrees. I get capitalism. I understand we got to make money. No profit, no purpose, no margin, no mission. Yep. So to help companies realize that ROI, like I need to create an ecosystem where like, oh, you need a, a Salesforce implementation partner. Advix got you, you know, like, and, and where we're all supporting each other. Oh, you need beer for an event. Like, oh, Creature Comforts. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. starting to put together this ecosystem where right now, like two best examples. I'm like, oh, we got beer, we got Salesforce. Uh, we need benefits. We got Decisely. But I want to be like, oh, we need a caterer. Yeah. We got so-and-so. Yeah. And so that ROI, and then it's just going to feed itself. So that's really, I guess, where Be Local Georgia comes in. It's just honestly just trying to be that bridge, be that connector, be that energy, mm-hmm. bring that energy for the community and be the advocates for the community. You know, even with B-Lab, making sure that they don't forget about the South. Um, it's very Northeast and Northwest heavy, um, yep. where you would expect to find a lot of B-Corps, but a lot of Portland, a lot of Bay Area. Yeah, a lot of Denver, and I think they forget that the South. There are a lot of us down here that, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the Southern stereotype is, is another kind of chip on the shoulder for us. I think to to kind of move past that yeah. and be the example of what everything we're talking about looks like in practice. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that. As someone who's born, raised, and educated in Alabama and been in Georgia for a while, I appreciate that, and I empathize with the stereotypes and how those can kind of get ingrained and validated because it's regional. And so it's not a racial stereotype. It's not an ethnic stereotype. And so it becomes okay. Somehow it's okay to say, okay, well, people in the South don't care about people of color. People in the South don't care about the environment or people in the South, they don't care about electric vehicles or whatever. And that becomes an okay statement to make, but it would never be okay to say that about a racial group or an ethnic group or whatever. To me, that's what makes it makes it frustrating. So I really am very excited to hear that as a focus for what you're doing and anything I can do to help. I'm right there with you, man. Oh yeah. Even 2020 was the first year we got Florida, Tennessee, the triangle, like there's two chapters in North Carolina, triangle in Asheville. We got mid-Atlantic, which DC, Maryland, Virginia, um, even Kentucky doesn't necessarily have a be local, but they've got a community of like 12 or 13, including now Maker's Mark, by the way. So you, you need a bourbon. I got you a bourbon, too. Um, awesome. And then even all the way out to Texas, you know, and, and making sure as we did it and who we invited, you know, there's only one B Corp in Arkansas. There's only one or maybe two in Alabama. Like, mm-hmm. But making sure that if I'm going to invite people from Birmingham, which we did. They're trying to get projects going to the University of Alabama, mm-hmm. making sure, though, that I had somebody from that B Corp in Alabama speaking, making sure that I had somebody from that B Corp in Arkansas speaking. So somebody from Arkansas goes like, oh, that's Little Rock. Like, this is attainable to me, not because I'm in Arkansas and we're all in like SEC country that that guy from Georgia is going to be able to tell me what Arkansas looks like. Right. So I try to right. make sure, too, that it was like all the different and you touched on it. But I think that's the other piece is like diversity of like region and culture and all that matters too. And, and, you know, people that aren't from the South, I don't think get that sometimes. I I think there's a misnomer there that I think we are closer than we are divided in the South. No doubt. No doubt. Well said. I lived in Ohio for 10 years in Cincinnati, which is literally a stone's throw from the South. It's just right across the river from Kentucky, but it is, you know, you tell someone you're from Alabama or you're from, you know, the South or whatever. There's a pile of stuff that just gets kind of, oh, you're from the South. This is 
who you are and what you believe and what you think and all those things. Or if they already have a different thought about you, like, well, how did you come out of the South? You know, if they think you're, you know, whatever, they don't process it the same way that they process other types of prejudices and preconceived notions. It's really unfortunate because I know as many brilliant people from Georgia and Arkansas and Alabama as I do from Ohio, New York, California. It's just a lot of innovation and a lot of brilliance in this area. One of the things we've done on the podcast, we've had a lot of people from Alabama, from Georgia, the South talking about innovation. Hopefully people can see and hear that and start to think differently. Yeah. I mean, just look at Atlanta. I mean, look who's here. Yeah. And Home Depot, and Delta, and I mean, there's some incredible Coca-Cola. Like Atlanta's got a pretty booming, booming <laughs> economy. Exactly. So, and honestly, you know, one of the most diverse cities, I mean, it was the slogan for years was the city too busy to hate. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think there's an incredible opportunity here to, I guess, rewrite the stereotype, if you will, of like, oh man, Atlanta, yeah. whew, is, they've got it going on down there. Not like, Oh, aren't they like, yeah, no. all they care about is like college football and NASCAR. And- right. <laughs> like, have you been to the Which South? We, we, we do. We but- do, but we have more time. We can, we can squeeze more things in, in our day. Yeah. We still like- have like a ballet. You know? yeah. like, it's not it's just like a cultural <laughs> desert. So right. we still have a ballet. That's right. We, we, uh, we've got our tracks and we've got our stadiums, but we've got, we've got opera houses and ballets and things too. I love the space you're working in, obviously, and the work you're doing. You do have two business degrees and you are, I'm sure you do get interest in offers and options and opportunities to do other types of things. What brings you back to this B Corp world? What keeps you so planted here? I think there is, honestly, you know, I joke sometimes that like between my day job at the biggest B Corp in the state, my running the nonprofit, you know, even last year I had my own LLC. Mm-hmm. It's just a little kind of side venture hustle, whatever. <laughs> Basically, if somebody wants to pay me to help them certify, I'm not going to say no. And now right. I have a way to legally do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm teaching a class on B Corps and I don't know. I don't think I would go anywhere else. I mean, even when I was, when I went back to get my MBA, I didn't know what I was looking for. I just knew what I wasn't looking for. Mm-hmm. And I just got really lucky that this B Corp project popped up. But I mean, lucky being the sense that luck is when, you know, hard work meets opportunity and or preparation and hard work meet opportunity. And yeah. it came and I think about all the things that I, I did it originally at, at Advic that weren't necessarily that much fun, like operations and finance and accounting and invoicing, all the stuff where they're like, hey, you've got an MBA, but you don't really know what we do technology wise. So like, just kind of chuck stuff over the fence, I'd catch it and run with it and build a yeah. system, build it. Even KPIs, like I was like translated KPIs from when I used to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car 10 years ago. You know, like yeah, I was just like, yeah. I can turn these into consulting KPIs. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, everything just kind of lined up for me to, to fall into this. But I also, you know, made the most of the opportunity and I was able to add value early on like that. And then hours 41 through 60, I was doing all the fun stuff, the culture and the impact and starting Be Local Georgia. That was probably hours 61 through 70, like mm-hmm. Even before I taught at UGA, it was all volunteering. It was just me helping UGA students. Like they didn't, nobody really knew how to run B Corp projects, but they wanted them. Mm-hmm. The students wanted them. I kept sourcing them. And then it was like, hey, Nathan, we have a question about this. We have a question about that, you know? And then all of a sudden that's turned into like guest lecturing. But I've guest lectured at Tech, Emory, UGA. And at UGA, I've guest lectured in the sustainability department, the engineering department, the social work, master's of social work program. Mm. Like everybody wants to know about this. And even, you know, getting into some of the like accelerator spaces where they're just so eager and they want to know, and how could this help? And how does it help us raise money? And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just so cool because I've always loved business. 
and I've always loved capitalism with guardrails. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, I have a, you can Google, you can Google Nathan Suck, Milton Friedman. Mm. I don't write a nice, uh, it's not, it's not a, it's not, it's a, not a, like a friendly obituary. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, little bit of a hit piece, but yeah, I mean, I love the system. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the system of capitalism. I love that you get paid for the value you bring to the marketplace. I love that, you know, it rewards innovation. Yeah. It rewards you solving one of society's problems and creating a product that people need and want and purchase. So I loved all that. I've always had a problem with, you know, if we just deregulate everything and just let people make the decision that's in the best interest, like they're not right. going to No, they're going to cut every corner possible. Yeah. But with B Corp, the problem is you're waiting for like politicians or whatever to like solve those problems. Like, well, if we have to, well, I guess we're gonna have to regulate everything. And I don't think that's really good for capitalism either. Mm-hmm. And with B Corps, you're seeing companies like voluntarily police themselves right. and voluntarily make a decision that's in the best interest of their workers and the environment and the community. And, you know, put money aside, put revenue aside for pro bono consulting and, mm-hmm. and pro bono product. And, you know, we're doing a whole volunteer week next week with free consulting projects. We're doing a whole week of May the 4th volunteer with you. Mm. So we're doing all these fun things and we're still making money. And I think you see this whole community, almost 5,000 B Corps worldwide now doing the same thing. Yeah. And you're starting to see bigger and bigger brain. I mean, not that Patagonia hasn't always been there and Tom's Shoes and, you know, right. Ben and Jerry's, but like mm-hmm. you're seeing just traditional businesses like us. We just do IT consulting. We're not a social enterprise. We're not, you know, building crazy, you know, modular housing out of shipping containers like right. Winona is, right. who I referenced earlier, like. We're not doing anything. We're not gooder. Mm-hmm. We're not solving the world's hunger problem. We're just a regular old company that's trying to do business different. And we're in this community with crazy people like that that are, you know, solving legit the world's problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to work anywhere else. I joke with people that I love what I do so much that, like, not only am I excited to get out of bed on Monday, I start working on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I try to take Saturdays off, but like, I started yesterday at like noon. Yeah. I did take a little Sunday siesta, but I was, I worked till like midnight last night, just knocking stuff out. I was having a blast. Like it's fun. Yeah. Like you feel like you're doing, you're doing important work. So, Mm. but again, I am fighting that urge right now too, to also make sure that for more and more of my time outside of the nonprofit, making sure that I'm getting paid for my time. Like I'd love to get to the nonprofit to the point where I could hire myself as like an executive director and have the board oversee me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would, but right now it's just kind of a free, like, you know, Saturday, I'm just, just me at Pont city market tabling for, you know, nobody else could make it. So I was on that. I set up at eight 30 and I broke down at six and tabled all day. I spoke like long, long day, but yeah, am I really complaining? I just talked to people about B Corps all day and then got to meet crazy other companies that were tabling that came by to say hi or, yeah. You know, find out more or tell yeah. me about their business. So yeah, I mean, really, is that, is that terrible? <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bad way to spend a Saturday. No, it was like 83, yeah. it's sunny, bunch yeah. of people full of energy trying to change the world. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I can make that work on Saturday. Yeah. Well, man, it's clear you found that place that so many other people are still out there looking for the place that kind of gives them that kind of energy and that kind of passion. So congrats on doing that, finding that and sticking in it and finding ways to grow it and make it profitable so that you can continue to do those things. Thank you. It's, it's funny. I wrote a speech on a plane and then I finally recorded it. That was July. And I finally recorded it in like October, November. And I was like, man, I'm turning this into a book. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just about finished editing chapter 10. Hmm. So I'm almost done with the book. It's like, Hey, here's my playbook. There's stories of my like working for enterprise and the time I did outside sales for three years. I'm not a very good salesperson, but like all these <laughs> things that I've done, 
along the way that I didn't realize what I was really doing was a, I think there's a lesson in failure that coming back to in the innovation theme, I think there's a lesson in failure and mm-hmm. learning to take failure and feedback as an opportunity versus a negative, right. an opportunity to learn, to grow. And also that a lot of those opportunities were giving me putting like skills in the tool belt mm-hmm. to help me become better later in my career. Now that, you know, I do have my own LLC, you know, when somebody reaches out and they say, Hey, can you put a proposal together? I sent one out earlier this year and then they like, yeah. you know, they read it and just were like, yeah, no. And I'm like, well, dude, you knew better than that. Like you were a sales guy. You never just send the proposal in an email. What are you doing? But like trying to, you know, like I did sales for three years. So like yep. now I'm pulling, I'm harnessing. And even sometimes you just, when I'm trying to sell somebody, even not for the consulting company, if you're interested, let's get you into UGA. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same sales cycle. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that I did throughout my career that have been helpful that I'm hoping that somebody that's in their early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, kind of going through going, what am I doing with my life? I'm hoping that some of this, and I think the more people I tell about this, like I wish I'd read that book when I was 28. Yeah, I'm like, so do I. Like <laughs> to, to at least know that like, if you're not happy, like what is your plan? Let's talk about how we execute it. Let's talk about like what skills, I mean, especially now with the internet, like you want a certain job or you want to get into a certain industry, you can Google job descriptions for that industry, for that job title. Yeah. And it'll tell you all the skills you need to be qualified for that job. Yeah. You can reverse engineer yourself right into a job. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Reverse yeah. engineer your plan. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So and take ownership. It's your career. Like you can wake up at 40 and be miserable and still doing the same thing you hated 20 years ago. But at some point, it's a you problem. It's not a me problem. (laughs) Well said. Well said. That is so true. And I love that you brought it back to innovation in terms of thinking about failure and those sorts of things. Because moving forward through an innovative process, whether you're a for-profit organization, nonprofit organization, an individual, a team, there are expectations. And you mentioned KPIs before and a number of different things. But at the end of the day, we are setting expectations that are essentially well-educated guesses, but they are not guarantees. And the way you deal with not meeting those, your expectations or the expectations of others, if you can still find the information, the data, the feedback, the part of that experience that will make you better and push you forward. To me, that's the part that keeps you in an innovative mindset. Okay, yeah, this is something that didn't work out but here's what I learned from that, or here's the skill set that I built while doing that. And so I'm glad you kind of highlighted that. Are there any other specific pieces of advice you'd have for innovators out there? I would say there's two big ones that I was thinking about as I got ready for this. I touched on doing sales. Everybody should do sales, Mm -hmm. but really it was more to say, just like everybody should do sales. Everybody should take a design thinking course at some point, Mm kind of learn that creative process. Same thing with like market research. I did market re- a little bit of market research during my MBA because I thought that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I learned that approach to coming up with like doing the field research, getting the qualitative mm-hmm. data, figuring out what is it that we're trying to solve. And it's very similar to design thinking. And then yep. coming up with a hypothesis and testing it with data mm-hmm. and then iterating and then kind of retooling what you're doing and then figuring out what's resonating with you know, customers or people, whatever. Right. So I think that's important that design thinking kind of mindset yep. to coming up with solutions to problems and the brainstorming activity that comes with it. I think the other one, and you know, I've been mentoring a friend of mine who's trying to get an organization going and don't let perfection be the enemy of progress because everything's got to be perfect. Mm. Be Local Georgia, I, I wasn't even a real organization until 2020. I don't have any sort of structure. I just built a LinkedIn page and called myself Be Local Georgia. 
I didn't have, I didn't have a, like a logo <laughs> until late 2019. Yeah. I just started hosting yeah. events. It's a Be Local Georgia event, like whatever that means. <laughs> and then, you know, eventually got fiscally sponsored and became an actual entity. And I have a bank account. Yeah. I have a shirt on right now. It says take action, make progress. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, it doesn't matter how long you dwell on it, you're not going to come up with the perfect prototype. So mm-hmm. just get it to a, what we call in the technology space, a MVP, a minimum viable product and go to market. Yeah. yeah. Oh, try your idea, try something. And then you're going to fail. I won't say you're going to fail completely. Parts are going to fail. Yeah. You're going to realize pretty quickly what's working and what isn't, and then be ready to iterate, be ready to, Mm -hmm. you know, have those little like side options of what can we do here? What can we do there to make it better? But yeah, that's, I mean, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. In general, it's an analogy for the world we live in today too, where I think you know, only 25% of Americans volunteer. Mm. And I really think it's because people are so overwhelmed that they'll never solve everything. And that there's too many problems for your little one hour of community service once a week to be a big difference. Mm. But I think it's, it's holding us back as a society. I think we all need to make positive ripples. I mean, even if everybody on my street did one hour a week, I don't know how many houses there are, maybe 40 houses on the street. Yeah. Say maybe there's two people in each house. So that's 80. That would be 80 hours of community service mm. times a week, times 50 weeks. Like that adds up. But yeah. I mean, we're talking 4,000 hours. Like all that adds up. If we all thought like that, mm-hmm. I think we'd be in a better spot. Same thing with getting ideas off the ground. Just get your idea off the ground, you know, because that's the one thing I remember and the notes you'd sent me was, you know, what isn't innovation? And yeah. it's like, it's not idea tossing. I think innovation requires action, mm. just like positive societal change. It all, re- it requires action. Nothing gets done without action. Yep. Talking about yep. things does nothing. Yep. That's a long-winded, long-winding way to wrap that up. Oh, that was that was good stuff. It was all good stuff. I love the idea term. Like, that's very visceral. I like it. That's, that's, I've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Idea tossing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a LinkedIn post this morning that inspired yeah. me to write that down where I was like, Everybody wants to form a committee yep. to talk about the idea. And then we're going to come up with what the work looks like, what it needs to be. And then we're going to create a pamphlet and a one pager about the work. And then by the time we're all said and done, we never actually did any of the work. We just talked about the work for a really long time. Yeah. So I think we need more people that kind of like, hey, let's do a couple of things. That's why I love the private sector. I don't know. I could ever go public sector or nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm running the nonprofit, because I, I <laughs> let's go. Like somebody, you know, I, you know, if I'm not in charge, I want to be heard, and then I want you to tell me what we're doing and tell me what I need to do, and let's go. Let's move. But if I'm in charge, I will hear you, and then I'm going to make a decision, tell you what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it. But like, I can't stand that kind of limbo area. Like, let's just make a decision and let's try something. Let's go, and then we can fix it. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. It's a mindset. And once you've been able to operate in that mindset and see and feel what that feels like and the impact it drives, it's hard to kind of be patient with or accept the idea tossing approach to things. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. I'm always happy to talk about these subjects. I mean, and it was funny because bringing up innovation and bringing it to B Corps, this is a fun, I hope for your listeners, productive conversation. I thought about just kind of all of that and where it plays into kind of making the world a better place. Yeah. No, it was fantastic. And I really appreciate you making the time to talk with us, spending a little time just giving us B Corp 101 and for probably the millionth time for you. And then, yeah, connecting it back to innovation for us. So thank you so much for your time, Nathan. And I'm glad to meet you and I look forward to uh, to staying connected. Yeah. And if anybody wants to learn more, I would say LinkedIn slash Be Local Georgia. Just look up Be Local Georgia or you can find me, Nathan A. Stuck on LinkedIn. If you can't tell, I'm always happy to talk B Corps. <laughs> All right, man. It's good to meet you. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for 
doing this with the video on and having to look at all that Georgia memorabilia and being an Alabama grad. So I'll pat myself on the back for, for making it all the way through. Oh man. And now I'm like, where's my really, I've got a really awesome one. Oh, I hung it up in the living room. I have one of the interception to seal the game. So anyway, <laughs> luckily for you, I've got like three of them, but oh, here you go. It's right here. Here we go. There's, there's one of the ones I bought. There oh my gosh. Okay. All right. That'll Just do it. That's a nice way to wrap up the conversation. <laughs> All right, man. It was Ely Ringo, baby. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely, Jared. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this week's show. You can drop us a line on Twitter at Outlast LLC, O U T L A S T L L C, or follow us on LinkedIn where we're Outlast Consulting. Until next time, keep innovating whatever that means.